Thank you for downloading the Barbecue Central Show. Maybe you're listening to this now because you missed the live version Tuesdays from 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. The Barbecue Central Show is brought to you by these sponsors, which I am extremely grateful for. The Barbecue Guru, makers of automatic temperature control devices. Their website, thebbqguru.com. Big Papa Smokers, creators of some of the best rubs out there and retailer of many different grills and barbecue products. Their website, bigpapasmokers.com. Butcher's Barbecue, creators of injections, rubs, and seasonings. Their website, butchersbbq.com. Green Mountain Grills, some of the best pellet cookers out there on the market today. And their website is greenmountaingrills.com. Also by Cookshack, some of the best industrial electric smokers out there today. Also pellet cookers as well. Their website is cookshack.com. Cookinpellets.com. If you want to fire those pellet cookers that I just talked about, visit cookinpellets.com to buy your pellets right now. Also by the Chops Power Injector. Forget about using one needle to inject your meats. The Chops Power Injector system has four needles for your injecting pleasure. You can visit them at barbecuekansascity.com. That's B-A-R-B-E-Q-U-E, KansasCity.com. And by the Sam's Club National Barbecue Tour, you can visit kcbs.us slash samstour for results, to register your team, or to see where the next event will be taking place. And by Pit Barrel Cooker, one of the most unique and efficient cookers out there in the market right now. Visit their website at pitbarrelcooker.com. And by Unknown Barbecue Accessories. You can visit them at unknownbbq.com slash shop. Hi, this is Scott Greenia from Fairfax, Vermont, also known as Scotty BQ, and you're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. So to get that perfect barbecue, you use wood. Are you sure it's safe? Whatever. We put the lighter fluid on, strike the match, and... Oh, should we call the fire department? That might be a good idea. All right, good evening, and welcome to the really big Barbecue Central show. This is the show that talks about all things important in the world of barbecue and grilling, broadcasting live and direct from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame city of Cleveland, Ohio. It's the barbecue capital of the North Coast. Happy to have you aboard here on your Tuesday evening. If you want to jump in on the show tonight, more than happy to have you. A phone call is all it takes, 216-220-0966. You can also email the show if you would care, greg at thebbqcentralshow.com. Here's what's happening in case you can get the newsletter or get on the Facebook or all that other stuff. We'll get to that here in a second. Coming up in about 13 minutes from now, the third Tuesday of the month regular guest here on this show, multiple-time author. Cookbook instructor, uh, cooking class instructor, TV show host, and barbecue Hall of Famer Stephen Reichlin lined up and ready to go. Maybe Skype, definitely by phone if Skype doesn't work, but he's out traveling. I think he's in Canada. So we'll check in with Stephen here in about 13 minutes from now. Then at 9.35, first timer to the show, and I think at least if my segment 
knowledge is correct. So a drink that's always been very popular, especially day after hangover or Mother's Day on Sunday or just get up and party because it's Saturday morning kind of a thing, but you don't want to just dip right into the bourbon at 9 o'clock in the morning. I would, personally, but other people find that to be offensive. Bloody Marys are taking over the earth, raging around, becoming more and more popular. And at 9.35, we're going to be talking to someone who has made a craft brand of Bloody Mary sauce, Bloody Mary mix, whatever you call it. Catherine Stiles from Barbecue Wife will be joining us. Very excited about that. And then we'll move into the second hour, and we will be joined by a 2B Hall of Famer, part of the induction class of 2016, which is this year. He is also the pitmaster of Big Bob Gibson's competition cooking team. He is also a cookbook author, a guy you see on TV quite a bit. Somebody who visits this show from time to time. Chris Lilly, Big Bob Gibson's. We're going to be talking about the Barbecue Hall of Fame. We're going to be talking about his induction into the Barbecue Hall of Fame. I still think it's weird that Chris Lilly is being inducted into the Barbecue Hall of Fame, not because of what he has accomplished, which certainly by all standards worthy of Barbecue Hall of Fame induction. He can't be a few years older than me. He's in the Barbecue Hall of Fame already? Whoa. Give him some time, man. So we're going to talk about it. And then at 10.35, and we'll get into this a little bit more in detail here in a couple minutes, we will reload the official Texas correspondent for the Barbecue Central Show, Pitmaster of Rogue Cookers, a championship, world championship, award-winning Pitmaster Doug Scheiding will join us. We'll be more or less going over the recap of IBCA's annual meeting. So... Okay, uh, right off the bat, I do want to thank my man Todd from Bark Brothers. I'm wearing their shirt here. Bark Brothers. Bark Brothers Barbecue in beautiful Columbus, Ohio, or as I affectionately call it, Seabus. Shout out to Todd. Todd, I do have your shoes. Also, let me, since I'm going to mention shoes. Dean. Yeah. Dean Simborski. Samborski, I have your shoes, Dean. I have your shoes, Todd. I will send those out uh, tomorrow, maybe Thursday. Corporate Peterbilt guys in the wings. So I may or may not get to the post office tomorrow. Shout out to AI in the chat room. Hello, Angela. Good to see you. So don't sleep on the shoes. They are coming. And by the way, Dean and Todd, I'm wearing Todd's shirt here on the show tonight. Once you get those shoes, you have to wear them out in public. You have to go Facebook Live and show everybody you're wearing them in public. Or at least take a picture. Do that solid for me. I would appreciate it. So be on the lookout for those. And thanks again for the shirt, Todd. All right. Let everybody know the show's on. Hit the Facebook, hit the Twitter, all the social media, Snapchat, Instagrams. Send them to theoutdoorcookingchannel.com. Send them to my website, thebbqcentralshow.com. Send them to Facebook, wherever you get the show. Go get it now. Share it around. It's going to be great. So here's what happened last week. Right around 10.13, all of a sudden the show shuts off. 
what happened? Where did he go? Terrorists are running around and who knows? Barbecue terrorists. It's the Republicans. It's the Democrats. Donald Trump is carrying on. Hillary Clinton's taking him off the air. What? So, what can I tell you? None of that actually happened. If you review my timeline on the Facebooks, a huge tree across the street was struck by lightning, fell down over the power lines, and associated phone and uh, cable lines as well, and took me out in one fell swoop. Didn't actually get power until 3 p.m. the next day when Cleveland Public Power decided to show up. Hook us back up, but only to have our internet out for days after. So that's exactly what happened. No conspiracies, bills are paid, all that good stuff. Nothing underhanded or seedy, as it were. Just a tree falling over and taking literally until yesterday morning at 7.15 a.m. for the tree company to show up and actually get rid of it. What's going on for a week? I don't even want to get into it. But I don't think anything was going to get done unless me and my wife and my neighbor's wife like got onto the city of Wycliffe and we're like, the tree's been down for five days. Anybody going to do anything about that? No. Forget it. Plenty of time. Homeowners got to call in. Oh, it was a nightmare. But nevertheless, we have fully recovered. Power's back on. We didn't lose any food in the refrigerator, so I was very excited about that. We were right on the cusp. My in-laws rescued us with one of those portable generators, so we were able to plug in, A, the wireless generator for, like, AT&T so we could get television because, you know, the Olympics are on, folks. Is anybody watching the Olympics? My wife is huge into the Olympics. Olympic Becky, that's what we call her. She knows everything about every sport that's going on right now. She can give you the rundown. I could pull her down here for the last two minutes of this segment. She'd give you the Olympics rundown, including the Brazil women losing to the German women in beach volleyball. Huge upset. Then we plugged in the refrigerator slash freezer after that. Kept everything cold. It was great. No problem. Very happy. Also, shout out to uh, 17 State Brewing Company for the beer tonight. I don't know what's going on with the color here tonight. I'm like getting all blue. And I'm not sad. I'm happy. I'm excited for the show tonight. I'm very excited. I don't know if you uh, were still checking out my Facebook page. I'll mention this again at 10 o'clock. If you follow me personally on the Facebooks, like Greg.Rempy, stop it. Unfollow me. Unfriend me. I'm not going to take it personally. And then go over to the Barbecue Central Show uh, Facebook page and like it. That's what I'm going to be using to really interact with the Centralites and other people that may or may not be interested in the show in some form or fashion. It's not going to be my personal page. I think at the end of the month, I'm going to go through and I'm just going to eliminate a whole bunch of people that I don't know and just really keep it like personal page. Maybe six or seven friends. Okay, I don't have six or seven friends, but I'm going to keep six or seven people, like it or not. Everything else is going to be over on Facebook. Because really, if I didn't have the show, I wouldn't be on Facebook or any of those social media stuff. I, I mean, I wouldn't do it. I'm not that interesting of a human, nor do I think I'm that interesting of a human to have the rest of you humans 
read my 140 characters about what I'm doing now or later or next week or posting a video or hearing me brag about my kid or any of that crap. I'm not that interesting. If it wasn't for this show, I would just be another number to you people. Swear to God. All right, uh, Stephen Reichlin coming up out of the break. I'm very excited to see if we're going to be able to do Skype through phone. It's worked sometimes. It's worked horribly other times. The thing that works the best every time is the CHOPS Power Injector System. See what I did there? National Barbecue Association 2015 and 16 Tool of the Year. They come in three great sizes to fit your injecting needs. Let me break it down for you. The half-gallon CHOPS Power Injector System is the best seller currently. Use it in competitions or to pump up the backyard folks like me. So easy to use, right? Clean it, fill it, pump it, and go. If you have just one brisket or pork shoulder to do, you don't need to fill it all the way up. Just put in what you need. It uses it all. It comes with 14-gauge needles, two replacement plastic needle adapters, three plug screws, and a needle protector. 100 bucks plus shipping anywhere. Then you have the one-gallon chops power injector system designed for catering and bigger jobs. It holds double the amount of the half-gallon, obviously. Some use it in competitions, like when you're cooking MBN whole hog, or maybe doing 10 shoulders to get that perfect one. It comes with 14-gauge needles as well, two replacement plastic needle adapters, three plug screws, and a needle protector. 120 bucks plus shipping anywhere. The newest one is the Chops Full Power Injector System. It's not even new anymore. It's just the latest and greatest. It's fully electric. The commercial and competition, Big Daddy. There is not a holding tank here, folks. I'm sorry. No, no, I'm, I'm right. There's not a holding tank. It's a three and a half foot pickup tube you can put in any size container from a few ounces to a 55 gallon drum. It was designed for Chef Rob at the best barbecue restaurant in Kansas City, and he said time and time again that with a Chops Full Power Injector system, his briskets are better than ever. It comes with metal needle adapters, 14 gauge needles, 3 inch, 12 gauge needles, 2 inch, 11 and a half gauge needles, 3 plug screws, a needle protector, 325 bucks plus shipping. A number of the top pitmasters are using. Chops power injector systems every day. I do. You should use it as well. And it's not just for food. How about alcohol-infused watermelon, cantaloupe, honeydews, you name it. You name the melon you want to inject, Chops full power injector system has you covered. It's made in Kansas City, Missouri, USA, handmade. Extra accessories, you want them, they got them. You want to shoot the big ground spices, they have you covered in that realm as well. They sell replacement stock needles, Plug screws. Great upgrade you can buy to make a Chops Full Power Injector System bulletproof. How about the metal needle adapters? Fantastic. BarbecueKansasCity.com is the website. B-A-R-B-E-Q-U-E. B-A-R-B-E-Q-U-E. BarbecueKansasCity.com. And let Dan Uledal and the folks over there at the, sh- um, at the company know that the show sent you. The Barbecue Central show. You see it right there? And he's opening a barbecue restaurant. It looks like soon, so we'll be having Dan on to talk about that as well. All right, uh, Stephen Reichlin, Barbecue Hall of Famer, coming on in about five minutes. Stick around. Broadcasting live from the Barbecue Central Radio Network Studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Radio Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rempe. Welcome back. This portion of the show is brought to you by the Sam's Club National Barbecue Tour. 
31 cities, 500000 in cash, eternal bragging rights to win the whole damn thing. This weekend, Sam's Club book tour, book tour, barbecue tour, rolling in the South Windsor, Connecticut, a local qualifying event. To keep up with the Sam's Tour, to see where the next event will be, you can visit the website kcbs.us slash Sam's Tour. That's kcbs.us slash Sam's Tour. All right, well, we'll just see how this goes. My first guest is seen here on the show the third Tuesday of each month. 2015 Barbecue Hall of Fame inductee, TV show host, barbecue cooking class instructor, multiple-time author. Let's go ahead and welcome back Stephen Reichlin to the show. Where are you, man? I am in Montreal, Quebec. That's why I'm... As I've gotten to know you informally over our chats here, that's like one of your kind of stomping grounds, right? Yeah, I spend a lot of time here. I have a couple of TV shows here. In fact, I was here shooting this week, and uh, it's an awesome place. For the folks that have never been, and no surprise to you, right, Stephen, uh, not culturally uh, diverse, me, uh, not overly well-traveled. The farthest west I've been, I believe, is Indianapolis uh, just this past year for volleyball. So uh, from a cultural standpoint, obviously you associate Quebec with, like, French Canada. How does it – and you've been to both places, right, a lot. So how how are they both the same, and yet how are they able to diversify themselves from one another? Well, first of all, they are both the same in that they both, uh, French is the national, well, French is the official language here in, uh, in Quebec. It's quite extraordinary, actually. Uh, Canada was settled by the French. Uh, Quebec, the province of Quebec, the cities of Montreal and Quebec City are uh, French-speaking cities, but they're in North America. So it's a little bit the best culture from both worlds. Stephen Reichlin joining me here on the show. Uh, do you find that there is a, um, a a particular dish of the nation out there? Well, you know, what's really interesting, uh, my book, uh, How to Grow, was translated into French about 10 years ago, or 15 years ago. And because I speak French, I came up and did a book tour. And that led to more books. It led to a TV show. It led to many TV shows. So uh, I actually have several TV shows up here that I do in French. That's what I'm here for now. We taped another one. We did a little sort of French uh, barbecue university. But when I first came here, everybody loved grilling, but they kind of grilled the same three things. They burnt sausage, they burnt hamburgers, and they burnt burnt steaks. But now (laughs) there's such incredible diversity of food. I went to a restaurant last night where they've imported a uh, Grillworks wood-burning grill, uh, cooking lobster from Nova Scotia, uh, incredible pork from farms. You know, there's a real back-to-the-land movement, organic food movement up here. And I would say the food in Montreal is as good as any city in the United States. Uh, Stephen, let's go ahead and review. Earlier in the year, you released your list of what you thought were going to be 2016 barbecue trends for people to kind of yep. to watch for and, and look at. So we're eight months into the year, eight and a half months into the year, and I wanted to review just a small handful and see if you think you're trending in the right direction, or maybe you missed, or maybe you hit a home run. And first, uh, first things first, and uh, I guess it's got to be right here. It's wood burning grills and top flight restaurants, and you just hit on it. But as you look at it from that uh, prognostication, you know, back in January, how are you seeing that now in month eight? Oh my God, that is so hot! Such a big trend in Miami alone. 
in a six block radius. Uh, you've got the new Francis Melman wood-burning grill restaurant that's called uh, Los Gauchos. Uh, you have Tom Colicchio's new place, which is called Beechcraft. Uh, you've got a restaurant called Clima that has one of those charcoal and wood-burning ovens for Spain, from Spain, the Josper Oven. Uh, cross the uh, crossover to the mainland, and we're just talking Miami, which is not a barbecue central kind of place. You have Kiu, which has an amazing wood-burning grill, wood-burning smoker. It's all over the place. It's really hot. In fact, I mean, we've taken a giant step backward. Uh, used to be that everybody cooked with wood, of course, and then the gas range was thought of as a great technological advance, but people see now that you just can't beat the flavor that you get with wood. When the restaurants are bringing these pieces in, do they find, as you're talking to some of the owners and some of the executive chefs, that there is an extensive learning curve for folks that maybe aren't trained on the live fire aspect from the wood, or is it relatively simple? Well, you know, there is a learning curve in the sense that wood is a very mercurial heat source. You know, you don't set one temperature and forget it. You know, the fire needs to be fed. It has hot spots. It has cold spots. But uh, I think chefs really embrace it because it's much more interesting. It's much more exciting to cook on a wood fire than uh, on a gas fire. One of the other items that you hit on was bacon 24 and 7. And, yep. you know, I, I thought when we were talking about it in the beginning of the year, I was like, man, I think we have seen maybe the last. It just seemed like bacon was going so over the top and people were just doing so many crazy things just to say they did it with bacon that I thought you would almost. Uh, and to not coin a phrase, jump the shark when it came to bacon. But I don't know if I still feel that th I still think we're trending into bacon is still popular and people want to say bacon all the time. Uh, where are you finding bacon 24-7 right now? Well, you know, I think what's happened is that people are curing their own bacon and serving their own bacon. But the idea of sort of putting bacon in and on everything has subsided somewhat. Uh, I think bacon, you know, it's just it's become assumed that uh, at a good restaurant, a good barbecue joint, you <coughs> pardon me, you will make your own bacon. Now, interesting baking, bacon sighting in um, uh, Red Hook, Brooklyn, one of my favorite barbecue joints, which is uh, Hometown Barbecue, Billy Durney's place. Uh, he's doing a pastrami pork belly bacon, which is like you can't imagine. I mean, think about what you want to eat when you cross the pearly gates, and that's what it is. <laughs> no doubt. Stephen Reichland joining me here on the show. Uh, one of the other things that you mentioned and that I think has really taken a hold, and I'm seeing it on social media and I'm seeing it on television more and more, is the emergence of what we call the lesser-known stakes, the flat irons and so forth. Uh, this is something that has really taken off. I think you hit right on the head. Yeah, absolutely. And I think... In part, this is driven by our desire always to have new experiences, new foods, uh, go to places we've never been before. Um, you know, also, uh, it, it's a chance to sort of eat well and have intensely flavored steaks that maybe don't cost as much as your <coughs> T-bones and your porterhouses. Do you think that there is a yearning or a wanting from the general consuming public to be able to have something that will be able to provide that kind of a mouthfeel for the cuts that you had just mentioned, but not have to pay 15 and 18 and 20 bucks a pound, and now you have that opportunity to have similar experiences if you cook it the right way. Yeah, and cook it the right way is a very, very important because a lot of these cuts are fibrous, and you know if you blast them with heat, too high a heat, they'll just become tough and uh, rubbery as uh, – 
I, I mean, they'll, they'll become very tough. Um, but, uh, you know, even though these cuts are cheaper, I mean, I'm still a great advocate, you know, of grass-fed beef, of organic beef, of uh, heirloom pork. Uh, I mean, that's, you know, where your food comes from matters as much as how you grill and smoke it. That's a kind of a big principle for me. And, um, and you know, I would rather, personally, I'd rather spend more money on better meat but eat meat less frequently. Um, that's kind of my perspective, and I think a lot of people are following that mold. Stephen Reichland joining me here on the show. BarbecueBible.com is website. Also, ProjectSmoke.org is another website for the TV show that we can talk about. And we're going to dovetail into that just for a few minutes here. I was just watching an episode uh, two nights ago. You were doing, I think you were doing like a pork belly. The thing that caught my eye it was not food. It was a smoked Manhattan. So I don't think, yeah. look, one thing I know I'm cultured at is a variety of bourbons that have hit my palate over the last 10 years, and I've loved every single one of them. And here was a bourbon Manhattan. And the thing that I had the biggest question on is you have this, it's called like the smoking gun, right? Um, That's right. Yeah. So you, you you pop the, looks like a wood uh, wood shavings in there and you hit it with a lighter and you you know start it and it sucks the flame in you know i'm not going to say what i think it almost looks like but uh it looks like a bong yeah right so uh, like a, smoke instead of uh, the stuff that bill clinton didn't inhale that's, that's right okay to say that. so you you put the we know you didn't inhale either never not even once so you put the uh plastic on the top and then you're infusing the uh alcohol with smoke and so the question is this in a very very long way is that smoke like good smoke because you know from now when you learn the essence of barbecue and you hear about thin blue smoke versus white smoke and that's dirty smoke this that and the other how are you able to determine that that's still like good smoke you know that's a really good question and it's very clean beautiful smoke um it does not have any of that bitter flavor at all and I think it probably has something to do with the fact that you're using sawdust. You're just using a little bit of it. Uh, there's great ventilation. It has a blower that basically pulls the uh, the smoke through the burning sawdust and out this tube. So it's very clean smoke. And in case, you know, for those of your uh, listeners who have not tried it, smoking gun, it's a fantastic tool. You can smoke not only cocktails, but uh, I like to smoke butter. I smoke ice cream. I smoke sour cream. I mean, it's just amazing what you can do with a smoking gun. So with all of those other items that you mentioned, and I'm sure they differ you know, from point to point, but are, I mean, are you putting them in uh, Tupperware or, or some type of a holding thing and then just hitting the smoke there? And how long do you keep the smoke on each item? So what you do, you place, if you're working with a food, mayonnaise, uh, butter, you place it in a glass bowl over ice if it's a warm day. You cover the top with plastic wrap. You insert the smoking gun tube into that bowl, you fill it with smoke, you let it rest for maybe four minutes. Uh, I usually do it twice, sometimes three times, depending on how much smoke I want. If you're smoking a cocktail, you have the smoke, the cocktail in the, uh, the bar shaker, you cover it with plastic, you fill it with uh, smoke. Again, it's about three or four minutes of smoking. Is it, uh, is it would you call it a sweet smoke? I want to like dwell on the smoke here, but I mean, it seems like you're really concentrating some smoke in a very short period of time. You know, it's, it's funny. I mean, I, I hadn't really thought about it, but you can do way more over smoking in a smoker uh, or a kettle grill 
uh, or an offset smoker way more than these smoking guns. I guess they're manufactured and calibrated such a way that they just put out the right quantity of smoke. Stephen Reichland joining me here on the show, uh, talking in depth about smoked Manhattans. Uh, are, do you are you a big like brown liquor guy? Do you like the brown liquor? Yeah, I love brown liquor. But you know, another thing that um, I did, I write a lot about in the book, and that I love is they're liquors that are already smoked. So if you think about something like Scotch whiskey, I mean, to make Scotch whiskey, they actually smoke the malted barley. They cook it over a peat fire, and you know, I call that, like, that's real liquid smoke. Uh, another one, mezcal, which is the uh, cousin of tequila it's, that's made with fire pit roasted agave cactus hearts that are then mashed and fermented and distilled. Again, you know, you take a couple tablespoons of mezcal and fold them into whipped cream. You've got smoked whipped cream. I mean, it's incredible. Um, one of the other recipes that I saw, and this is maybe one of my favorite things to eat and not normally something you would think about barbecue or grilling lobster mac and cheese so, yeah like what's your what's your recipe for that and, and ingredients that you should really look for well it's funny why we did that let me back up and talk about that first but you know at barbecue university my school in colorado we have a wood-burning oven and you know, if you've read my books and watched the shows, you know that for me, smoking and live fire cooking, it's a very broad world. As soon as there's a live fire somewhere, that's that's my territory. So I wanted to come up with a mac and cheese that you could cook in this wood-burning oven. Basic mac and cheese, you know, uh, you make a bechamel sauce. But to make the bechamel sauce, I fry bacon first. Then I, uh, in the bacon, I fry onion and... Uh... Uh-oh. Call on hold. Call on Flavor. And uh, then uh, the pasta goes in. Sometimes I'll use smoked cheese. Sometimes I'll use pepper jack cheese. And finally, the it's uh, poached cooked lobster meat. Uh, topped with breadcrumbs and uh, melted butter and cooked in the wood-burning oven. You can do it in an indirect grill. It's, you know, it's pretty insane. Stephen, it's yeah. very insane. Yes, yeah, I mean it sounds incredibly insane and decadent, and all those great words that one uses to describe uh, really great food. Uh, Stephen Reichland joining us here on the show, barbecuebible.com. Yeah, I'm right here. Great. All right. Um, so I wanted to get your thoughts real quick uh, before I let you go, and appreciate the time as always. Uh, of 2016, bringing in uh, a new three into the barbecue hall of fame. It was you last year. Um, we have Chris Lilly going in this year, David Knight from Old Hickory Pits, and Artie Davis in the celebrity slash humanitarian category. Uh, I don't know if you have any thoughts about uh, any of those guys, or just you know taking a quick look back at your time at the Hall of Fame last year. Uh, just like your thoughts. Well, first of all, I think it's a great choice this year. Uh, you know, Artie Davis, longtime friend, great advocate of Great Kansas City Barbecue, author of a sauce book. Uh, brought a certain dignity to our field by wearing a bow tie and a bowler. Uh, uh, Chris Lilly, of course, from Big Bob Gibson's, uh, a very a real flagship uh, flagship restaurant, uh, birthplace of the uh, the white barbecue sauce, which is pretty awesome and amazing. And uh, and the uh, you know the pit manufacturer. I mean, that's. Uh, the, the impact that, that that pit, the old Hickory Pit, has had 
on the world of barbecue is just uh, astonishing. As for my own participation, I got to tell you, it was one of the high points of my career, being named a Hall of Famer, and uh, it it just was a, a real honor for which for which I will be forever grateful. Stephen Reichlin is here every third Tuesday of the month. The website's again, barbecuebible.com and projectsmoke.org. Project Smoke on the television right now, so find your local listings and watch or DVR like I do, and then you can just watch them over and over again. Stephen, always appreciate the time. Thanks so much. Great pleasure. Thank you. Bye-bye. There he is, Stephen Reichlin from uh, Quebec, no less. Quebec? Why do I get a feeling that, much like David Hasselhoff, is like a pretty big deal here in America, but he's like huge star over in Germany? That's like Stephen Reichlin in Quebec. I think he's got more shows in Quebec than he's got here in the States, and he's a pretty big deal here. Barbecue Hall of Famer. Did I mention that? Cook Shack manufactures smoker ovens for barbecue lovers with any amount of experience, whether you barbecue in your backyard, on the competition circuit, or in five-star dining facilities. Cook Shack has a unit that will do the job. And with a perfect full line of barbecue sauces, spices, pellets, and wood chunks, it's your one-stop shop to go to. Cook Shack strives to be your barbecue resource center by offering cooking classes, online recipes, how-to videos, Two blogs, Smoking Grilling 101s, and a video cooking classroom. Check out their website, cookshack.com, or follow them on Instagrams, the Facebook, YouTubes, the Twitter, Pinterest, and the Google Pluses. Get advice or share your passion for barbecue on their world-class barbecue forum. Cookshack pellet-fired smokers are the choice of champs because they were manufactured and designed by a champ, Fast Eddie Morin. The FEC 100 and PG 1000 are always customer favorites. The PG 1000 can double as a smoker or grill. Low and slow, hot and fast. The pellet grill line gives you the most for your money. Cook Shack residential electric smokers are number one in the industry. High quality means high durability and versatility. Anything you cook in your oven, you can make in a Cook Shack. How about that? Passion and dedication drives Cook Shack's manufacturing with quality always being at the top priority. Get the best in barbecue since 1962. Call 800-423-0698. That's 800-423-0698. Or visit their website, cookshack.com. All right. Bloody Mary talk on tap. Stick around. We'll be right back. Smoke. Call 877-448-0433 to get on the air. Now, here's your host, Greg Rampy. All right, welcome back. 216-220-0966. This portion of the show is brought to you by Green Mountain Grills, manufacturers of some of the best pellet cookers out there on the market today. If you're looking for a big cooker to house a lot of food, they got one for you. Medium size, small, they got you covered in all areas. They can supply you with pellets as well to fire those cookers. Check them out at GreenMountainGrills.com. That's GreenMountainGrills.com. All right, uh, my next guest this evening has found and is working quite the niche when it comes to the world of Bloody Marys. Here to talk a bit about her brand and how it relates into the world of barbecue, the owner of Barbecue Wife. Catherine Stiles joining me here on the show. Catherine, how are you? 
Hi, how are you? I'm doing absolutely fabulous. Is it Styles? It is Styles. Okay, good. Good for me. I'm plus one tonight. Very good. Still got a long ways to go to screw something up. Uh, Catherine, appreciate you uh, joining me. Uh, so are you a native Texan? I am. I was uh, born and raised in Austin. All right. not a lot of us. Are you are you ready for Texas to secede from the rest of the United States? <laughs> it's definitely on some days. It feels that way. <laughs> no doubt about it. Um, so if you could, before we get into uh, Barbecue Wife and the Bloody Mary mix and all that good stuff, uh, you know, a little background about you and uh, obviously yeah. what the connection to barbecue is. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so my connection with the barbecue world is my husband owns a craft-style barbecue restaurant here in Austin, uh, we opened in 2011. Um, I was nine months pregnant when we opened the doors oh. to that place. And at the time, I was going, why are we doing this? <laughs> um, but it's been a lot of fun ever since. And it's been just one adventure to the next, it seems like. Um, so my connection with uh, barbecue is really through him. And, and, you know, growing up in Texas and Austin, obviously, I was, you know, very experienced in, in having uh, different barbecue around the state. But he grew up, my husband Shane, grew up in a town called Taylor, Texas, which is kind of a central Texas barbecue mecca. So, you know, from his time uh, growing up in Taylor, from the time he could walk, you know, he was visiting some of the best uh, renowned barbecue joints in Texas and really opened my eyes to the differences between uh, good barbecue and bad barbecue and craft barbecue and and other ways of doing barbecue. And uh, that's kind of where I got more of a crash course is through him and this whole barbecue adventure has been just uh, so much fun. Catherine Stiles joining me here on the show. Uh, BarbecueWife.com is the website, B-A-R-B-E-C-U-E. Check it out while we're talking here. So with Shane doing the barbecue, were Bloody Mary something that you were always kind of partial to, or was there something in the Bloody Mary market that you thought was lacking that you could fill and kind of make a viable business? Yeah, so for me... Um I'm a huge Bloody Mary fan, obviously, but I always had a recipe that I made at home for friends and family. And um, when I started working more side by side with him in the barbecue world, I found really quickly that the sauce that we use at our restaurant is um, a Central Texas regional sauce. It's it's a mop sauce, which if you know anything about Texas barbecue sauce is somewhat of an afterthought. Um, they said, you know, good barbecue doesn't need sauce. So in Central Texas, you'll find a lot of mop sauces, which are real thin-based. They're very tomato-based uh, sauces, but they're not overly sweet. They're not overly thick. And they almost have a profile of a Bloody Mary all by itself. Um, so when I started thinking more along those lines, I was like, man, this would be a really unique complement to my Bloody Mary mix. So for about a year and a half, I actually played around and tested the recipe um, using different measurements of the sauce and my recipe and tweaking things and what we came at the final product was something that was really unique and outstanding and um, kind of connected all the dots for me as far as it made sense. It just kind of made sense like, wow, this is really a unique product. It makes sense with what we're doing in the barbecue world and be fun to share it and let's see where it goes. Where does the brand name Barbecue Wife come from? Is it as fortuitous as it seems, um, or is there something kind of in the background? Yeah, so there's a lot in the background. Obviously, I'm a barbecue wife, so it's very authentic for me to explain that when people are 
looking at my brain going barbecue wife and I, I can explain that story but there's also a lot more for me that goes into that brand um as you probably know it's not a very female dominated industry the barbecue uh industry from all aspects from ownership from tip masters to um the women out there doing it and making it happen but there are so many of us that are actually involved um we're just not most likely front and center but what I wanted to do is really highlight that and push that out there and say, you know, there are there are tons of barbecue wives out there, whether they are the ones behind the pits, whether they're the ones, you know, running the business, doing the marketing, whatever it is. There's there's so many amazing women that I've I've come across. So for me, the barbecue wife brand itself is more about storytelling and, and bringing some of those characters and those people to life. Um, so we took a lot of time in actually developing the brand around the Bloody Mary mix and what you'll find is I really tried to celebrate those women, tell those stories, and just kind of push that front and center in everything that I do. I think one of the things that ties in with that uh, barbecue wife are the uh, ladies that you see as you are uh, consuming the mix as well, correct? Yes. Yeah, so, um, you know, I, I come from a marketing and PR background. So for me, I, I knew right off the bat that I had to make this as visually appealing as I could for to catch people's attention because um, when you're in the marketplace, especially trying to go into retail, there's a million different options that you're competing with. And it's not just competing against other Bloody Mary mixes. It's competing against, you know, am I going to buy beer tonight? Am I going to buy, what am I going to spend my dollars on? So you really have to understand that when you're going into that um, industry that you have to jump off at the shelf and you have to tell your story immediately and, and grab people's attention. So I partnered with a very well-known Austin artist. Um, his name is Gary Dorsey. And basically he took all the ideas in my head and made them really beautiful. So we sat down and developed um, right off the bat five characteristics of barbecue wives that I wanted to bring to life in hand-drawn illustrations. So we put these um, drawings in place and they're actually hidden inside the bottle. So every bottle that you actually purchase, you never know which one you're going to get. It's a double-sided back label. As you drink it down, you'll reveal one of the barbecue wives that are inside. Um, so that's a really fun piece that we've been able to put into play. And um, again, just further tell that story and, and tell a little bit more about these women and who they are and what they do in the barbecue world. Catherine Stiles joining me here on the show, barbecuewife.com, the website, if you want to check it out. Catherine, do you know the origins of the Bloody Mary from whence it started to where we are today? Yes, actually, and it's not an American-born drink, but, um, you know, that was something that was brought over from Paris years and years ago, and, and there's very there's a lot of different stories and variations um, pertaining to that, but, you know, I think we've all adopted, just as in the barbecue community, there's so many different regional styles of Bloody Marys, and that was something that was interesting to me as I started developing my own. I've taken a lot of, you know, my um, roots in Texas, my southern heritage, and, and use that in my spice blend and in the way that we mix ours um, and, and the different things that go into it. So that's been a lot of fun because you'll find, um, you know, you'll go into different markets or different parts of the country and, and people definitely are, are particular about their Bloody Marys just as they are about their barbecue. So from a high level, what makes a good Bloody Mary or perhaps the better question is what makes one Bloody Mary stand out from another? Well, I think the biggest thing for me is um, using real fresh ingredients, 
where you can and just have a really high integrity for the ingredients that you use in your Bloody Mary mix. So that was something that was important to me going into this project was I don't want to be the cheapest thing on the shelf and, you know, just try to move a bunch of product. But what you'll find is I'm, I'm usually the more expensive on the shelf, and there's a reason why. Um, so we hand make every batch. We make everything from the Worcestershire sauce to the base of the mix, the spice blend. We wow. hand smoke our sea salt and our black pepper that go into it. So it takes a lot of time. It's essentially four different recipes that we combine into one. It's all hand done. So one of the things I think you should really look for when you're looking at, at any food product you're picking up nowadays is read the label and be educated about, you know, the foods that you're picking up and what you're purchasing because there are better ways to do them. And, you know, just like in the craft barbecue world, we take a lot of time in doing what we do. If you're going to do something, do it right. Do it with passion and, and make it your purpose. When it comes to garnish, is there etiquette? Because, look, some Bloody Mary seems like they eat more than they drink. Uh, is there too much <laughs> yeah. garnish? Uh, is there a too much garnish line that you can cross? I, I think so. You know, I'm not one of those, uh, let's try to stuff everything I can into a Bloody Mary and, and eat it or drink it down, whatever that is. That's, that's not me. And I definitely don't knock anybody doing it for the shock value of it. Um, for me, I'm, I'm a pretty traditional, you know, add a lime, add some celery. I like to do smoked meats. A lot of what I do in, in my garnishes, I'll do things like brisket stuffed olives. I try to tie the barbecue back into the Bloody Mary because it all works. So we do a lot of um, smoked sausage skewers with cheese. We'll do, you know, the brisket stuffed olives. We'll do some, the more outrageous ones. Are, we'll put a rib. We'll put a beef rib. We'll put a pork rib inside it. But, you know, that's kind of where I draw the line. I'm pretty simplistic in that. I don't try to stuff it with you know, the cheeseburger or the whole chicken or the things that you see that are kind of outrageous. How many different Bloody Mary mix uh, flavors are you offering right now? Right now we just have the one. We have the one traditional, and that's the one that I kind of uh, prefer. So it definitely has a kick to it. And the way I designed it was based off of my taste preferences. Um, it's definitely not going to be the mildest. It's not the hottest either. It's kind of a nice heat to it, but it was designed so that you didn't have to carry, you know, 10 different bottles with you. You don't have to add the Worcestershire. You don't have to add more, you know, the salt and pepper and things to it. It's kind of a complete mix. So in my house, we're a big uh, football tailgating kind of family, and that was one of the reasons I wanted to design it that way. So you could go out to a party or go to a tailgate and just take your bottle of vodka and take your mix, and there you go, and you're ready to roll. As far as price point, where are you guys sitting at in the market? Um, anywhere between 14 and 15. It's a 36-ounce bottle. Um, you're going to get about 12 drinks out of that bottle. So retail, we're at 14, between a 14 and $15 price point, depending on the retailer. All right, so I was at my local Giant Eagle, what's a grocery store up here, and I went right to the Bloody Mary aisle, and I started doing my price yeah. comparison. So, like, you know, realistically, and I'm not telling you anything you don't know. I mean, you're you're two to three times more in a similar 32-ounce, you know, to a Mrs. T's or whatever the hell it's called. Yeah. And some of the other – and I was looking for the most expensive ones. So sometimes, especially in barbecue, there's a want – to get something that is just more money. There's a jambo pit, it's just more money. There's this kind of rub, it's yeah. just more money. Same thing here with the Bloody Mary mix. This is one of those things where you're like, hey, get over the fact that it's 15 bucks a bottle and try it and then love it and shut up or like yep. or what? 
Yeah, you know, I had no hesitation going in where, um, you know, it's a very expensive mix to make for me because of the handcrafted way that we do it and we stand behind it. But for me, I didn't I didn't really ever go, gosh, I'm going to be sitting at $15 and I know the next ex- <laughs> price point down is probably around 10 and I know the, the leader of the category is selling at like $4.99. But you can't compare the two when you really look into the process that we do, uh, the processes we go through to actually make it, and you look at the ingredient profile and the higher-end ingredients that we're actually purchasing in the process that we do, the smoke, the sea salt, the smoke, the um, black pepper, you just you can't compare it. So what I've found when you lead with that and you have no fear in, in what you're doing and standing behind it, there's really no hesitation with the audience that finds you. So we've found that, you know, everywhere we go, we sell out. We're really selective in the retail outlets that we go in. So, like I said, I don't want to be on every shelf because I don't want to be sitting and collecting dust on shelves where my audience isn't going to be. So we really vet the uh, retail outlets that we end up with. Instead of going, please just put me on your shelf everywhere you can, that's, that's not our strategy. It seems the only retailers that get their hands, aside from if I went online and bought it, is only Texas-based. Are you going to get outside of Texas, or is that part of the yes. marketing plan is to stay in the in the Lone Star? No, we are. We're we're slowly growing. So I w- I'll back up a little bit on uh, twofold on that. My uh, first job is I'm a mom. I have uh, two kids that are two little girls that are ages four and three. So what I've designed with this model is to take it slow and to understand, you know, I don't come from the consumer uh, packaged goods industry. My industry is in uh, marketing and PR and originally started in the health food industry too. So I've got some background in food, but this is a whole new venture for me. So for me, I wanted to really understand, you know, the marketplace, understand what consumers were thinking when they purchased my product and get some of that knowledge under my belt before I said, hey, let's try to go everywhere. So we're in the process process right now of expanding into more Texas markets. Um, outside of Texas will probably be within the next year. Um, we, we get tons of requests and inquiries daily for people wanting to bring us in, but we've really kind of pumped the brakes on. Let's make sure we're doing everything right before we try to go too big too soon. I love asking this questions to entrepreneurs in any discipline of the barbecue and grilling market, and you're falling here within that, which is being successful and slowly growing but wanting to expand and all this great stuff. Is there a magic check amount that you would take from you know Johnny's National Beverage Company if they came to you and said, hey, Catherine, you know, we're ready to write you X check if we can just buy out Barbecue Wife and we're going to make it our own, blah, blah, blah. You've done a great job up until now, and here's your reward for that. You go away, and we're going to take it over from here. What's that amount? <laughs> you know, I don't I don't even have that amount, and absolutely there would be. Like everybody, if they're going to be honest with you and say if uh, somebody came to you with $100 million and said, hey, I want to take this over, I don't, I don't think there'd be a hesitation in that, but... You know, honestly, I didn't. I didn't start the project as a uh, exit strategy product, which a lot of people do, and uh, especially being Austin-based, that we're surrounded with a lot of um, packaged goods that have had some success in doing that. But you know, for me, this was just it was a second act in my career, and uh, something that I was very passionate. I put a lot of me into it, so I think if there was ever anybody that came in and said, "Hey, we, we're really interested in purchasing this out," it would probably have to be some element of me that. Stayed on board because 
so much of the brand is built around me and my experiences and, and just the knowledge that I have of, of doing what I do. Holding Shane's restaurant aside, obviously, what's the best barbecue you've had in Texas? <laughs> well, I'm extremely biased, so I'd probably have to say that it is my husband's barbecue. But, you know, there's so much great barbecue in Texas. And, um, you know, that's part of the fun is being able, even in a competitive marketplace like Austin, which is probably the most competitive environment for craft-style barbecue, there's just enormous amounts of wonderful barbecue. So what I usually tell people when they ask me that question is I'm like, go somewhere with a group of people that you enjoy and experience for yourself. Because what I've found in barbecue, it's not just the barbecue that makes that experience great. It's the people that are around you when you're having it. It's the environment that you're sitting in. It's the atmosphere. It's all of those things go into making that a great experience. So, um, that's always my advice is you can read the list, you can do whatever you want to do, but really set yourself up by, you know, taking some people along that you really enjoy eating with and sharing a meal and, and enjoying their company and, and you'll find that the barbecue tastes even better. She's Catherine Styles, Barbecue Wife. Check it out online if you're not in Texas to buy in stores, barbecuewife.com, especially if you're looking to step up the Bloody Mary Mix game. Catherine, really appreciate the time tonight. Thanks so much. Yeah, thank you. You got it. Good night. There she is, Catherine Stiles, barbecue wife. Wow, first-time guest, man. She brought it strong. Come on now. Come on now. Loved it. I, and let me tell you, first and foremost, I hate Bloody Mary mix. I'm not a big fan. I don't. I don't get it. Uh, I don't understand it. I don't know why people like it so much. But I love anybody that is willing to put heart and soul and passion in a product and get it to market and make it successful. And if I can get you on here and help you promote that, I want to – see, here's the other thing. I want to like Bloody Marys. I do. But every time I have them, I don't want to like them anymore. And then I forget, and then I want to like them again, so I try it again. So I'll keep trying. I mean, you never know. I might get a bottle of this, and it it could wreck my world in a good way. Speaking of wrecking your world in a good way, the Barbecue Guru, folks, that's right, the longest-running sponsor of the show, located in Warminster, Pennsylvania. If you've been thinking about automatic pit temperature control devices, stop here. They created it. If you don't know how they work, let me explain it to you high-level. Pit temperature control device is a unit that is a product. Once you set your temperature, keeps it set all the way through the cook. It's not, I'm not kidding. This is real life. If you're a busy working pro like me, or perhaps you're constantly on the run with kids doing errands and you don't have the time to set around and tend those pit temps, I get it. The Guru also gets it. That's why it will do it for you. Put on whatever you need, set the temperature, and get done what you need to get done. You got CyberQ Wi-Fi, you got DigiQ DX, you got PartyQ. PartyQ, I mean, come on, for $129, it's a self-contained event. Double-A batteries, goes from cooker to cooker to cooker. It's fabulous. Onyx Oven is out there, too, if you're looking for a cooker. Fits all the Barbecue Guru automatic pit temperature control devices. Do yourself a flavor. Head on over to thebbqguru.com. Check out their products, and if you have any questions about what to call or what to order, call them directly. Don't wait. Don't guess. 800-288-GURU. 800-288-GURU. They'll make sure you're outfitted with exactly what you need to get you up and running right out of the box. Again, 800-288-GURU. Or visit thebbqguru.com. The Barbecue Guru continues to be a breakthrough in barbecue technology. All right, we got to get out real quick. Stick around. Be right back. 
Big name interviews, advice on cooking brisket and ribs, and the only host willing to share his honest opinion on all things important in the world of barbecue. It's the Barbecue Central Show. All right, welcome back. Uh, very quickly, we'll be getting out of here. 216-220-0966, Greg at the BBQ Central Show.com. Thanks again to Catherine Stiles for joining me, talking about her product, Barbecue Wife Bloody Mary Mix. Small batch. I mean, is there any sauce or mix company right now that is hand-making every batch? I mean, I think she said she was hand-making every batch, smoking the salt, making their own. How do you make Worcestershire sauce? That was a question I needed to ask that I didn't ask. How do you make Worcestershire? I didn't ask that question. My sales manager would be pissed. Did you ask all the important questions? Like what? How to make Worcestershire sauce? I didn't ask that question. I didn't. I thought it. Didn't ask it. Sure didn't. All right. A lot of new subscribers to the newsletter. What happened? What changed? I don't know. Again, barbecuewife.com. If you're looking for a Bloody Mary mix, if you're not partial to one particular, or you're sick of the $4.32 ounce POC that she was talking about. Well, she didn't say POC, but. And it's correct. There was like Zing Zang and there was some other one. There were like five bucks for about 32 ounces. $4.99, I believe. I mean, she's three times the price. That's a lot to get over. Sticker shock, for sure. But what do we know here in barbecue? Buy the best, only cry once. Give it a try if you like that. All right, uh, we are going to reload for the second hour. Play a little catch up here. Matt Boer has asked for a few minutes, and because I am jam-packed in two and three of this show, I will grant him just a few minutes at the top of the hour. So, Matt, get ready. All right, you're listening and watching the Barbecue Central show right here on the Barbecue Central Network. Stick around. We'll be right back. board here for the really big barbecue show Boing. we cook because we have to and we grill because we want to hit me fine how you doing <laughs> you have a great show i'm a big fan Boing. so what 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 seems to be the problem here this man looks like he's dead and he's in the in the crackle charbono it's all about the charbono dude Succulent fish, what? He ate two feet before we nursed. Oh, listen, Laverne, it's a sick face. I'm shaking like a dog shit peach seed. <laughs> we have top men working on it right now. Mm-hmm. Top. 
All right, just like that, we are into the second hour. Welcome aboard, friends and neighbors. You have found the Barbecue Central show. The show that talks about everything important to the world of barbecue and grilling. We broadcast live from Cleveland, Ohio, the barbecue capital of the North Coast, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame city that I just said before Cleveland. Yeah. 216-220-0966. Greg at the BBQ Central Show.com. Your two bits of contact info. Complete mistake on my part. Mad Boo are not going to be coming on the top of this hour. That was my fault. I misread. I misread. I'm going to be talking to Matt after the show. He's been very bad. It's time to get a butt kick. Still to come on the show tonight, 2016 Barbecue Induction Hall of Fame class. I completely misworded that. Chris Lilly from Big Bob Gibson. And Doug Scheiding. Road Cookers. The Sam's Club National Barbecue Tour rolled through the Commonwealth of Richmond, Virginia this past weekend. A local qualifier that feeds the North Charleston, South Carolina Regional Final. And the top six teams moving on to that regional are, in particular order, Grand Champion Sauced Barbecue Team, 686.8. Second place, or as we say in the barbecue world, RGC, Uncle Toad's Competition Barbecue, the 685. Cool Grogs and Smokin' Hogs, third place with a 6765. Fourth, Redneck Scientific. If I may, shout out to Redneck Scientific. That's a name that's been around forever. 674.1. Dirty Reds Barbecue, fifth place with a 670.2. And rounding out the top six, Apocalypse Now, 668. So, as you look through the points discrepancy, as we love to do on this show, between one and six, damn near 20 points. 1.8 points between one and two. And a pretty big gap between two and three, and then it goes from there. However, all six get to move on. The next Sam's Club stop will be this weekend, as I had mentioned in the first hour, South Windsor, Connecticut. So good luck to all those competing in South Windsor. Anybody in the chat room competing in South Windsor, Connecticut? Karma if you do. Karma if you do. All right, let me get into this. As I had mentioned in the open, if you are my friend on Facebook, we're not going to not be friends anymore, but if I don't really know you, and I don't know a lot of people, I'm going to uh, eliminate our friendship on the Facebooks, go over to the Barbecue Central Show page on the Facebooks, and like that. That's how we're going to interact from now on. The other Facebook page, I'm, it's like personal, and I'm not going to do it. I, it's just I can't. I'm going to get my cap at some point, like 5,000 people, and then I can't have any more friends anyway. So I want to keep all of the friends that want to be down with the show and get my musings and my postings and so forth on the show page. So if you haven't liked it, get over there. It's uh, I don't even have any idea what it is, but I'm going to tell you what it is right now. Head on over to Facebook.com slash. It's probably the BBQ Central Show. I'm sure. What the hell is that? Oh, cripes. 
is going on. Oh, this is unbelievable. Is my internet down? What is going on with my Facebooks? Hold on. It is. Here's the show page. Okay. Facebook.com slash BBQ Central Radio Show. BBQ Central Radio Show. So if you are. Please, please like me there. What can I tell you? Now let me get off of Facebook. Let me first publicly apologize to the meat maven, Anella Kelso, also belated happy birthday here on this show. 29 never looked so good. You know what I'm talking about. So you would recall at the end of the show last week, well, before the lightning took me out, I said, hey, uh, Denver Cavins, the creator of Art Flame, is coming up Saturday this coming, which would have been this past Saturday. And uh, uh, Anella was uh, nice enough to send me out a couple stakes, and we were going to feature Snake River Farms, you know, within it. Because as you all know, Denver is a uh, premier videographer. He's magic. Like, I don't know. He makes music videos and, like, real video like movie type shit so he's very adept he was going to be bringing up another videographer as well we're going to set up art flame out in the back we were going to cook hamburgers and hot dogs we're going to cook these snake river farm steaks we were going to do eggs and pancakes we're just going to go completely crazy on this art flame to see what couldn't we cook on it we're going to put it to the test so if you've ever bought stuff from snake river farms before because it's coming from idaho you ship dry ice it's frozen so we got it real early in the week. I dumped that stuff into the freezer in my refrigerator or in my freezer at home to keep it frozen. And then Wednesday, I took the tomahawk and the flat iron steak out so it would be fully thawed by the time Denver got here on Saturday. So I don't want to be dealing with like half frozen. Nobody likes that. So I did that. What I didn't account for is that when the lightning struck the tree down across the street a week ago, and literally almost a week ago, by time as well, that that was also going to open the floodgates for rain. It hasn't stopped raining in a week. Uh-oh. What? Two. Oh. It hasn't stopped raining for a week. It has rained for the seventh day straight today. Last Tuesday, the floodgates opened. Has it rained all freaking summer? It's been the face of the sun. The breath of hell wherever we have gone over softball season. And the first weekend that I have to take advantage of a really cool new cooker with some prime-ass meat. Not even prime. I mean prime-ass in the gray type. But like the Wagyu-style beef. Rain Fs it all up. Friday night, late. Denver and I are like on the bat phone. I'm like, oh. 98% chance of thunderstorms tomorrow, all day and Sunday. He's like, "Uh, you know, what do you think? I was like, I can't have you come up here and waste money. I mean, five hours up, five hours back. You got the time with the video guy, all this other crap. And what are we going to have? A photo shoot under 10 by 10 easy up canopies? 
Candor. So late night Friday, we're like, eh, we're just going to have to reschedule. I'm like, F, we can't. He's like, why? I was like, oh, the tomahawk and the flat iron steak are all unfrozen. They're ready to cook. I'm like, oh, what am I got? I had reached out and was, I was like, oh God, can I, like, can I refreeze it? I was told no, can't do that. So I had to suck it up, go to my Facebook page, my show page, and see the. <laughs> I'm telling you right now. Uh, if if the ham didn't do it months ago, the flat iron steak and the tomahawk wagyu beef, so insane. Like, I'm not even going to be able to put words. Like, if you haven't had it, scrimp and scrounge and save like a mother effer and buy, at least buy the flat iron steak, which was phenomenal. The tomahawk thing was out of control. And let me put it in perspective for the wine people. The beef that I had so far overshadowed and overpowered the wine that I had, which under any normal circumstance was a more than adequate bottle of wine, a semi Alexander Cabernet, uh, it's like $25 bottle of wine, easily pushes through any other steak that I've had or pasta red sauce or, or anything like that. The beef blew right over the top of this one. I needed to have the Dominus or the Opus or the Camus or the Silver Oak to be able to compare how good this beef was. If you haven't had it, I'm telling you right now, birthday presents, save tax returns, whatever it takes, this stuff is incredible. I am ruined for beef for life. Thank you for nothing, Anella. I don't know what I'm going to do. I will have to abide by Stephen Reichland's, uh, Reichland's words of wisdom in the first hour, which was, don't eat beef all the time. Just get the best beef and eat it less frequently. Who knew words of wisdom? Phenomenal. Anella, everybody over at Snake River Farms is a champ. That stuff is ridiculous. I want to give it more adjectives than that, but I mean... I don't even know what to say. That beef changed my life. That beef uh, changed my life. Uh. All right. Yeah, I know, Sylvie. You know it. You know it. You can never. You can't. You can't enjoy anything else. All right, folks, if you didn't know, Big Papa Smokers, the one-stop online shop for anyone interested in barbecue featuring a comprehensive selection of American-made grills, spices, sauces, accessories, even a kit that gives you everything you need to make a world-class smoker out of a 55-gallon drum. Big Papa Smokers has made a name for itself by winning almost every major barbecue championship that there is. Kingsford Challenges, Houston Livestocks and Rodeos, Jack Daniels, World Series of Barbecue, better known as the American Royal, all that. Come on. Big Papa's also banded together with fellow California-based rub company Simply Marvelous to form what has now become known as the West Coast Offense, Divine Conventional Wisdom. These two California-based rub makers have cornered the market on competitive barbecue to begun to redefine the flavor profile that competitive cooks from across the country have begun to aim for. They have also started that BPS Elite Team featuring 15 of the best competition teams in the country. 
working together to promote camaraderie, competition, barbecue, and to benefit children's charities across the U.S. They have also created two unique competitions, the Guinea Pig, which is a cost-controlled competition that helps kind of bring in the newcomers to competitive barbecue. However, it also benefits the most savvy of vet because it's cost-controlled. Featuring prize distribution all the way down to 10th place, this also providing incentive for people to get in it and stay in it. It's not a beginner's competition by any stretch. Everybody from beginner to novice to expert in the guinea pig at this point. Also, they have King of the Smoker. I mean, we all know about King of the Smoker. Everybody wants the invite. Will you get it? I don't know. Keep in mind, Big Papa's has been able to do all of this within only six years of being in the biz, turning the competition barbecue world on its head, creating their own unique competitions, becoming a staple of a nationwide restaurant chain, BJ's Restaurant and Brewhouse, by the way, benefiting children's charities across the U.S. Come on. It's just the beginning for Big Papa Smokers. The website, BigPapaSmokers.com. That's BigPapaSmokers.com. All right, uh, if you are listening right now, until Friday, 10% off everything, snakeriverfarms.com. How about that? How about that? I'm telling you, it was some of the... You just got to try it. What can I tell you? All right, Chris Lilly coming up right after this. Stick around. We'll be right back. Live from the Barbecue Central Radio Network Studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Radio Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rempe. All right, welcome back. This portion of the show being brought to you by CookinPellets.com, your number one source for quality wood pellets for all of your pellet-driven cookers. The Green Mountain Grills, the Traegers. The Fast Eddies, the Camp Chefs, the Black Olive, the Fast Eddies, the Traegers, the Green Mountain Grills, all that stuff. Cookandpellets.com, your source website. Amazon.com has it as well. So if you can't get it at cookandpellets.com, for whatever reason, you can get them at Amazon. Your number one source for quality wood pellets. I mean, come on. What are we talking about here? All right. Uh, Joining me now. My first guest in the second hour, a four-time grand champ at Memphis and May. He is also a successful cookbook author, of course, uh, probably most well-known for keeping Big Bob Gibson's name known throughout the land of barbecue. You can also catch him on TV from time to time. Tonight, we will be diving into his induction into the Barbecue Hall of Fame this year, so please help in welcoming back friend of the show, Chris Lilly. Chris, how are you, buddy? Doing great, Greg. Appreciate the invitation to join you. Absolutely. Always appreciate the time you give to the show. And uh, major kudos coming to you. Uh, 2016, one of three, uh, being inducted into the Barbecue Hall of Fame. And uh, before we get into that, first things first, and I don't know if it was inevitable or not, but Myron Mixon and Jack Old South won number four at Memphis May this year, tying Big Bob Gibson's for that honor. And I think there were some folks who thought that perhaps – his time to join you had either passed or was passing quickly. 
But this May, he knocks another one down, joins you guys with that distinction. Is it nice to have another member of that club, or is it really nice being all alone in that penthouse? <laughs> it was nice while it lasted, but, you know, Myron Strong, you're not going to hold him down forever without a doubt. You know, he. Uh, I was happy. I was happy for him uh, to get back on stage and get uh, win another championship without a doubt. You know, if anything, it's just going to push me a little bit harder to uh, hopefully work that much harder and, and try to get another one. But it's tough. It's tough. There's such great teams, and now you got so many teams coming over from KCBS, some great teams, you know, cooking Memphis in May now. It's just it's just getting harder to win every year. So, um, so, so without a doubt, uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, Chris, did you think it was going to be Myron if it happened, or were there some other teams that you thought could jump up at some point and get number four as well? I, you know, it's tough. It is, I guess, you know, I always say, I guess Myron was due. It's one of those things, you know, sometimes you go through droughts and you just don't get that win or don't get those calls, but uh, Myron was due. Uh, so, so in my in in my opinion, it was definitely well well deserved, and it did not surprise me to to see him up there getting number four before any of the others. You have known Myron a long time, and you see now a lot of people see you guys on TV together. You cook against him. You know there seems to be a lot of you and him together. How does the friendship and the competitor relationship work between you guys? You know, it, you know, if you think if you think back, especially you know when we first started cooking barbecue uh, competitions. You know, I think I first started back in 1997, and he had he was had started already, but he just had maybe a year under his belt or something like that. Uh, uh, so, uh, but uh, you know, he already started having success about that time. But I mean, thinking back, the only time we ever saw each other was at competitions going head to head and uh we both were having success and uh so and you know how competitive Myron is without a doubt so it was it was always head to head it was always uh you know him winning beating me or or uh I'd get a win uh you know as well and there was you know some other strong teams when we were we were starting out but it's really competitive and Myron's a very competitive person so so, you know, we did not have a whole lot of time to just sit back and enjoy each other's company and, and hang out. I guess if anything's changed now, um, because I'm doing so many less competitions and so, and so is Myron, the majority of time we see each other now is just on a relaxed, uh, you know, uh, relaxed basis. Uh, we're there either doing television or there just, uh, you know, having fun, enjoying each other's company. So it's, I guess our, our relationship's changed over the years, without a doubt. It's less competitive because we're cooking head-to-head less against each other. Chris Lilly joining me here on the show, BigBobGibson.com, the website, if you want to check it out here while we're talking. So this year, you join him and a host of others being inducted into the Barbecue Hall of Fame. I guess from a high level, Hall of Fame and anything, highest honor, what does it mean to you to get that nod this year? I was absolutely thrilled. It was a it was a shock to get that phone call, you know, out of the blue, and uh, and, and and you know, and when they announced it. So I'm actually I'm, I'm really thrilled, and I'm you know I'm going to go to uh, Kansas City this year. I'm just going to sit back and enjoy it, take it all in, and uh, and and enjoy you know enjoy the ceremony or whatever they have planned. 
I was wondering if I couldn't get your thoughts on your other two inductees. Uh, one, Artie Davis, who you know I know you know very well, and he's got a, a very long and involved history with barbecue. But you know, what are your thoughts on Artie and, and what he means to the industry? Gosh, Artie's been a, every uh, from from the first moment I got back in or got into barbecue, you know, and, and started doing the competitions and traveling around. Artie was there. Um, Artie has always been there. Um, uh, you know, preaching barbecue and um, and uh, spreading the word and and you know he he's there. He's a staple. He's a staple on barbecue. He, he's uh, you know with his books and the knowledge that uh, that uh, he's gained, but not only shared through the years with others. Uh, it's uh, it's it was really cool to see him. It's really it's really cool to be inducted with Artie. Um, and it's definitely my honor, uh, without a doubt. He's a, he's a super guy, and I'm proud to see him. Uh, I'll, I'll be proud to see him take the stage. The other guy, Dave Knight, is uh, from Old Hickory, obviously on the business side of things. Uh, Old Hickory is synonymous with barbecue, especially when it comes to the restaurant side of things. Uh, you know, What do you know about Dave, and what are your thoughts about him getting elected into the Barbecue Hall of Fame this year? I guess uh, what what I love about Dave and what he he does without a doubt is he gives so much support uh, to the barbecue cookers. Let me just do a case in point. Um, I got hired by NASCAR to do a uh, a catering at the Sonoma Racetrack on the on the West Coast. Uh, you know, obviously, I'm not going to haul my rig and equipment from Alabama out there to to do it. Uh, so my first call was to Dave, just, uh, just to say, hey. Who's on the West Coast? Who's got uh, you know? Who's got cookers out there? Who's got a commercial kitchen out there uh, that could give me support? Uh, you know, out there north of San Francisco and Sonoma. Uh, he gave me names, contacts, and you know, within 24 hours, had a commercial kitchen, had a commercial cooker. Uh, I was all set up with somebody out there to 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 pull this off. And it's not only me. He gives us support to everybody from New York. I've seen it at the Big Apple Barbecue Block Party. I've seen him provide and haul pits down to the South Beach Wine and Food Festival. So, uh, so one thing David has embraced is is the help and the support in the barbecue community, um, uh, and that's one thing that uh, impresses me about uh, David Noel Hickory. And I think maybe one of the other things that doesn't maybe get mentioned a lot or at least kind of on a, on a general sense is the continual evolution if, if you're stagnant in any industry eventually you shrivel up and die or you just kind of stay stagnant and just standard right uh, you're not innovating you're not growing he's kind of been the antithesis is that it hasn't always been the same cooker he's been innovating new cookers he's been bringing new cookers to market kind of a, a testament to not just being somebody in the industry but somebody that has grown with the industry as well yeah, without a doubt, and he and he listens. Uh, just think of you know how many cookers or, or uh, things that he's doing with other pitmasters that have come with him. Uh, you know, with ideas on uh, hey, what if we did this? You know, he's got different models that uh, take in that inspiration from from other people. Uh, so he it's it, it's not just this is my cooker. It's the only way to do it. It's the right way, and that's it. It is, uh, you know, I've got my ear to the ground, and I'm willing to change uh, change with the times and change with other people's ideas. Chris Lilly joining me here on the show. All right, so 
Let me go full dick mode here for a second, Chris, and I apologize. But, you got it, my friend. I'm ready know, for it. I've been <laughs> I've been very critical of the Barbecue Hall of Fame over the past few years, and I think there are some inherent flaws in how it's done. Not necessarily, well, not even not necessarily, not the people who have been inducted. I want to make that uh, first and foremost very clear. All well-deserving, uh, aside from one of the guys that got inducted very first. However... Having categories <laughs> seems having the category seems very weird to me, and you happen to be a great example to help me kind of make this argument. You should absolutely go into the Barbecue Hall of Fame as a pitmaster. You're a four-time Memphis MMA World Champion, aside from all the other Grand Championships that you've amassed over your competition career. So, no question about that. However, you should go in also as a celebrity and humanitarian. You do a lot of work uh, with Big Bob Gibson's in the restaurant. Everybody knows you, celebrity from the TV side of things, so you got that covered as well. And you should go in as a business guy, too, because, again, of Big Bob Gibson's restaurant. So do you have a preference of which category you go in as, or regardless, is Pitmaster the one everybody really wants to go in as? Well, uh, me personally, I would rather be inducted as a Pitmaster than uh, <laughs> than the celebrity celebrity or business guy. Um uh, I guess that's my first love in barbecue is, uh, you know, uh, the AMs, the early mornings, the, uh, the learning, the, learning the art with, uh, the old school guys when I first started, uh, you know, at Big Bob Gibson. So, um, that's, you know, that's without a doubt. And I'm glad I was inducted, you know, as a pit master. As far as the categories, um, gotcha. I guess my biggest, uh, my biggest, I guess, concern with the Hall of Fame, and I'm a new guy, you know, I'm a new boy. I'm going to jump in there, and I'm just going to listen, and I'm going to uh, see what they have to say and uh, and get the old, uh, all the ideas behind it, you know, before I, you know, break into my own opinions. I will tell you this, though. Um, you know, I came in the barbecue through the restaurant side um, and, uh, and less through competition. You know, I was in the business uh, in 1991 and I didn't do my first competition to till uh, you know 1997 so the people I looked up to the pitmasters I looked up to were the, were the guys and and girls that you know devoted their life to barbecue you know in the pits at the restaurants at the barbecue shacks and shanties all over the all over the country um I guess my only concern uh is you know there are a lot of people out there i mean you know you take uh you know tootsie at snows or big daddy at dreamland or you know even big bob gibson i mean there's 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 gosh there's you can go down the list there's probably 15 20 30 40 you know pit masters i mean real pit masters out there who have devoted their life to to cooking uh to cooking barbecue and mastering the art that you know really haven't even been been mentioned. Uh, so I, I guess I want to go in there and just listen and, and and really let them define to me what is this barbecue uh, hall of fame? Is it is it more sort of the competitive side of it, uh, or I mean, there's a lot of people out there that is that that are deserving. When you say barbecue hall of fame, mm. seems like to me. Mm-hmm. There is a lot of people out there that should be included that have not been, and uh, in that regard, I think I am, I am in it way too soon. All right, so great dovetail there. I completely agree with everything you said, and so let's back out of this conversation just for a sec. Doesn't it seem weird that we are talking about Chris Lilly being inducted into the Barbecue Hall of Fame? 
prime of your barbecue career, both in the business world, both and in the competition scene. And now you're getting that honor that folks like in football and baseball and all these other sports wait for after they retire and then five years past that. You know, from a a non-biased point, high level. Kind of weird, right? (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I hope you're right. I hope my best years are to come (laughs) in competition and with the restaurants, without a doubt. So uh, maybe that's the case. I hope so. But uh, I feel I'm still loving it. Uh, You know, I'm still enjoying it. I've got my two sons in the business now. So um, I think I'm at a point in time in my life where uh, absolutely still got a a lot of barbecue left in me. Um, I've got to teach these guys not only, um, um, you know, how to cook in the restaurant every day and put out fantastic food, but also, um, you know, get them out on the circuit and uh, get them traveling around the country with me, uh, doing some on-site catering and some corporate jobs and stuff like that. So um, it, it's it's a great time in my life um, uh, to share what I've learned with my children and uh and uh, turn Big Bob Gibson's Barbecue into a fifth-generation family-owned restaurant. Do do your kids know who Chris Lilly is? Like, do they get it? <laughs> you know, <laughs> I think they do a little bit. <laughs> uh, I'll I'll go back to a story that uh, I was in um, Colorado skiing with the family one day, and we went to this little restaurant, and we're walking out, and the guy behind the bar starts screaming, uh, Chris Lilly, Chris Lilly, you know, and <laughs> and uh, starts, starts saying Big Bob Gibson barbecue and hollering and and stopping me and uh, calling all, to all his uh, staff and everything to come out. So uh, it, it was one of those weird situations where it really <laughs> opened my kids' eyes and dropped their mouth that uh, – that there are a lot of barbecue fans all over the country, so um, so uh, so they've they've seen it a few times and 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 heard it. So they yeah they they know there's a lot of love for barbecue all over, and and that I am uh, recognized in a in a small way. Uh, Chris, last question before I let you go, and appreciate the time tonight. Uh, later this year, you're going to be taking part in the World Food Championships as a final tables judge. How do you get that offer, and what are you looking forward to most uh, in a in an event that has grown leaps and bounds every year and becoming kind of a pinnacle of food sport? Well, you know, it sort of you know started in Vegas and then it was in Kissimmee. Uh, this year, it happens to be in uh, Gulf Shores, Alabama, at Orange Beach, uh, and and that's that's you know that's in my backyard. That's Alabama right there. So. Uh, I'll travel the length of the state go down, uh, going down there. So I don't know if it was because I live here in Alabama and they wanted somebody here, or, uh, or uh, but gosh, I, I'm excited to taste not only the barbecue but the other categories they have. Um, the World Food Championships intrigue me, and if I wasn't judging it, I would strongly consider going down there and cooking it, um, whether it be the barbecue or whether it be one of the, um, one of the other categories. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's fun. I still like competition, but I like things. I like to do different competitions. I like to do competitions that really, um, that really challenge me and, uh, and make me think and do different things. So, uh, that's why it uh, intrigues me. So I can't wait to get down there. Uh, and I'll not only be judging, but I will be, <laughs> I'll be investigating a little bit potentially for next year if I go down there and cook it. 
Chris Lilly is with Big Bob Gibsons. He's going to be at the final table in the World Food Championships and also being inducted in the 2016 Barbecue Hall of Fame. Chris, always appreciate the time, man. Uh, congratulations on the honor, and we'll talk again soon. Thank you, my friend. Take you, care. There he is, Chris Lilly. Did I mention Barbecue Hall of Famer Chris Lilly? <laughs> it's bizarre, right? It's bizarre. I mean, what is he, 48, 49 years old? I mean, he can't be much older than me. He's in the Barbecue Hall of Fame. And don't come at me with, yeah, well, you were trying to get into the Barbecue Hall of Fame for the last two years. Yeah, I get that. That was not the same thing. Chris Lilly wasn't putting together grassroots movements from his fledgling little basement internet show trying to show people don't solicit ideas because this is what you could end up with. At nominating on the 2015 uh, for Celebrity Slash Humanitarian Greg Rempe Barbecue Central Show. I won, bitch! That was my point. He's just sitting there like, hey, I'm Chris Lilly, and then bring you're in. And I, by the way, I happen to agree with his point that there's roughly 15 or 45 other people time into the industry that might want to get a nod before him. Not saying that he should not get a nod. I mean, he's it. There's names that you can say that are just locks for getting it. But the more and more we have a conversation about how the Barbecue Hall of Fame is right now, the better it's going to get. I'm not being a poo-pooer. I'm trying to be an un-poo-pooer. So there isn't all that jibba-jabba. You know, Brett Favre waiting five years after his last game. You know, he's a Brett Favre kind of guy. Other guys, they got to wait a little bit. You'll get there eventually, or some of you won't get there at all. And there'll be good reasons why you did or why you didn't. We'd love to have those conversations here on the show. But anyway, that's Chris Lilly. BigBobGibson.com. That's BigBobGibson.com. Doug Scheiding coming up out of the break. Let me first talk to you about the pit barrel cooker. Gang, pulling the trigger on a new cooker can be nerve-wracking sometimes. Temperature control, fire management, what woods to buy, who needs the hassle, not me. Might I strongly suggest a pit barrel cooker. The PBC makes cooking simple and fun. It just might be the most unique, versatile, and easy-to-use cooker available on the market today. Imagine a single cooker that will turn out great traditional barbecue meats like brisket, pork shoulders, and ribs, while also being able to ramp up in temperature to those burgers, chicken wings, and dogs. The versatility is all thanks to the revolutionary design that goes beyond traditional convection. Their hook-and-hang method places the food in the center of the heat, so it's acting like a stationary rotisserie, if you will. The result, great tasting, perfectly cooked meat each and every time. In the industry, we say it is consistency. Not only is the pit barrel a fabulous cooking vessel, and it's aesthetically sexy devil as well. It's built to withstand heat thanks to its porcelain enamel finish. The pit barrel can also stand up to any type of weather condition. It's extremely portable. Fits in the back of most vans, trucks, and SUVs. It's ready to go wherever you are. Of course, all barbecue folks love accessories, and the pit barrel doesn't disappoint here either. From rubs to the unique removable ash pan to pit grips, turkey hangers, hinged grill grates, there's a full line of accessories that will really complete your pit barrel cooker experience. The best part, $299. The pit barrel comes fully assembled ready to cook on, and it ships for free right to your door. Don't take my word for it, as you saw right here on the screen. 
The folks at AmazingRibs.com give the Pit Barrel Cooker a top 10 rating in their gold division. It's the highest rating, by the way. Not once, not twice, but three years in a row. They've said, quote, we're running out of good things to say about this simple, affordable cooker. There's nothing else like it on the market. Close quote. Here's what you do. Head over to this website, pitbarrelcooker.com. Barrel, B-A-R-R-E-L, pitbarrelcooker.com. See what everybody's talking about. Be sure to check out their full collection of high-definition short how-to videos. Then pick one or two or seven up for yourself. Let me do some quick math for you. Seven is only $2,100. Seven. $2,100 will only get you one of some other pits. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. You can thank me later. If you have any questions, you can contact them through their website or call 502-228-1222. 502-228-1222. And yes, they actually talk to you. Find out what great customer service is all about. PitBarrelCooker.com. That's PitBarrelCooker.com. Whew, here we go. Doug Shiding coming up to break down IBCA and barbecue trends and so forth. Stick around. Get in the smoke. Call 877-448-0433 to get on the air. Now, here's your host, Greg Rampey. All right, welcome back. This portion of the show being brought to you by Unknown Smoker Accessories, purveyors of made-in-the-USA stainless steel barbecue and smoker lid hinges, barbecue accessory hangers, rocket-hot chimney grillers, and heavy-duty aluminum foil dispensers and spice racks. These fine products from Unknown Smoker Accessories keep your gear where it needs to be, at arm's length and ready for battle. Visit unknownbbq.com shop today. That's unknownbbq.com slash shop. Use promo code REMPE, R-E-M-P-E, for 10% off your entire order. There's a theme going on. 10% off your entire order. Same thing with Snake River Farms. hey All right. Uh, joining me now is your official Barbecue Central Show, Texas Embedded Correspondent, always ready to take the face of danger whenever needed. Doug Scheiding joining me here on the show. What's up, Dougie? Hey, Greg. How are you tonight? I am doing absolutely fabulous. Let me switch over here. Kind of tough to follow a Hall of Famer, Chris Lilly. Why? You're a Hall of Famer in our book, Doug, and you know it. Let me get this uh, screen all set up here. There you are. All right, so uh, a couple of different places we're going to be uh, running to tonight here, Doug, and I appreciate the time that you give the show as always. The IBCA uh, annual meeting was held two weeks ago now, I guess, uh, or week before last this past weekend. Uh, 91 members in attendance, um, you know, another handful of spouses. So let's say, you know, 150 to 10,000 people there. What do you think the overall mood and outcome of this annual meeting was? And is it like one of the biggest ones ever? Yeah, I would say... It was probably the most well attended that uh, I know about, and yeah, you're probably right about 140, 150 people um, in attendance. It lasted almost all day, Ooh. and I um, uh, it was a good meeting. There's a lot of changes. You know, Craig is actually uh, taking the bull by the horns and doing a lot of changes 
relative to IBCA, and and so there were several big uh, big decisions that were made going forward, which will be to the improvement of the organization. All right, so here's the one that everybody wants to know about. If they heard about it on this show, they didn't end up following it. They've probably been hanging in limbo ever since. There was a motion put together to ban pellet cookers from IBCA events, and is it yay or nay? It is still allowed, thankfully. Pellet passed. Oh, my. Doug was going to have to go find a new sanctioning body. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm going to have to go back to drums or something. But like, uh, Was it even close? It passed the board of directors by a vote of 11 to 1. Really? 11 to 1. Wow. So a lot of, well, I think it's safe to say in the internet anymore, you know, the, the small percentage does the biggest screaming, but... You know, from your best estimates, is it a small percentage of Yelpers, or do you think there was kind of a growing movement of, if we can get enough steam behind it, let's go ahead and take it out if we can? No, I think it was a, a, a large uh, voice from a few people, so it, um, it, I don't think it really had much momentum uh, at all. Um, uh, kind of a corollary to that, the electric, the no electric devices was expanded um, in, in, in a rule so that now uh, no electric devices, proofing cabinets, or heating lamps can be used as holding devices for meat after it's been cooked. So are we good with that? Yeah, I'm good with that. I mean, I, if, you know, it's okay. You know, I, you know, because you could use technically you could use a Traeger to hold it at 180, you know, because it is cooking with wood and it's not a, a fully electric device. But, uh, yeah, so I, I'm OK with that. All right. Uh, one of the other items that I don't really know too much about is blocking of a brisket. Yes. What? Blocking of a, a brisket is basically um Depending on how you cook your brisket, some people trim it so that you know. Let's say if a box is box is eight eight inches, yep. they'll they'll cut it down. You know, the brisket to about nine inches because it'll shrink up and it'll fit right in right into the box. Sure. Well, I'm one of the ones that uh, I like to cook a full brisket and I like to cook it for a long time. So when I put my brisket slices in, it actually wraps around the bo- the turn in box probably aesthetically doesn't look as pleasing. So I'm very happy that they allow the blocking of briskets so that it can fit nice and neat in the box. All right. One of the other things was, uh, I got to find it here. Is it uh, something about a fat side up slice not being allowed or you have to turn it in fat side up or something like that? Yeah, this is a continuation of a rule change that was made mid-year last year. All right. So what what is the rule? The rule was, that was made last year by the board of directors between meetings was that you <laughs> cannot turn in a brisket fat side up. That basically all of your entries, chicken, ribs, and brisket, has to be meat side up. So to me, I was actually for letting turning in brisket fat side up because you're in a way dictating how a cook has to cook the the brisket because if you wrap it you know the texas crutch 
then you're probably going to wrap it fat side up and turn it in because you know if you can get bark on fat, I guess you can. But um, um, I think that dictates how you cook the brisket. So I was actually for uh, the rule before they changed it to that you could, had to turn it in meat, you know, meat side up or the bark side. So you did like fat side up. I did not oh, like okay. fat side up. Right. Yeah, yeah, I liked it as a as a turn in. Turn it in however the heck you want. I don't care. But uh, yeah, exactly. All right. Um, some of the other rules that you saw, you either thought were good or weird or newsworthy. A, a good change, and in, in for some of those cooks like uh, the butcher and some that venture into Texas and cook IBCA, for if pulled pork is a category, now pulled pork instead of in Texas, pull uh, pork had to be pulled. That was the only way you could you could turn it in. Now you can turn it in as pulled chunks shredded or sliced but you'll have to turn in all of the same so you can't mix you know let's say medallions and pulled or, or you know like you can in KCBS but you can turn in one of all medallions or you know one of all pulled just like you had been before so I actually think that's a good rule change yeah and I think you know as far as KCBS is concerned by and large a lot of the great pork cooks are doing money muscle slices and turning it in like that and not really mixing up a bunch of different pork by right, and large exactly. by and large yeah yeah so now 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 you know for us IBCA cooks we can start practicing more in those cook-offs that have pull, pull you know pork as a category we can start practicing more cooking the money muscle as medallions here's a rule that I can't believe especially being brisket heaven USA Texas burnt ends not allowed and it was voted down yeah, well, unanimously, yeah. twelve to nothing. Yes, exactly. What? Yeah. Why yeah. don't Why don't people in Texas like heaven? I could have gone either <laughs> way on that, but uh, you know, in, in in terms of practicing for KCBS, et cetera. But um, you know, brisket as a slice, you know, either lean or fatty. That's kind of the the mentality down here. It's one or the other, and burn ends just isn't uh, isn't something that m- most people like down here. Is that so? That's just like a Kansas City thing that caught popularity and isn't necessarily something that you could deem popular from sea to shining sea. No, no, not no. not not no. down here. So when you're turning in slices for your competition, do you turn in a mixture of lean and fatty, or do you are you or are teams? A fatty team or a lean team? Um, I would say it's probably, uh, uh, I actually cook the whole packer, so I keep the the point on the bottom of, of the flat, and so I actually turn in a mixture of a little bit of the both. So it's about, you know, two-thirds the way up the brisket if you're if you're looking at a pull, you know, full packer. All right. Um, any other rules that transpired that you want to mention here? Um... Probably not any other rules. There were a couple of big changes. Uh, number one, they're going to have a dues increase, and so uh, dues are going to increase, and that was actually a result of another rule that was that was enacted and voted on by the members. They're going to get away, uh, uh, get rid of all the pits. So they had these pits that you know were kind of confusing, etc. So now instead of eight pits, we're going to have five regions, and each region is going to be officially elected every year. That was the problem. Some of the pit directors were kind of self-anointed, uh, uh, <laughs> so to speak, and had been there for 12 years, and there were never elections. Oh, wow. And so now there's going to be two, two representatives 
per region, and those people will have a voice on the board, board of directors in the same way that you know Craig Sherry and the and the other people uh, do. You know the four the four other members. Uh, is Doug Shiding somebody that may be looking to get voted in as a uh, area president or whatever? No, I don't think oh. so. Because you wow. know, one part of the responsibility of those those people is, and you know, my hats off to them. They actually have to interface with the promoters of all the cookoffs in the region, and so IBCA has about. I think this year they're going to have over three hundred contests, which you know is pretty quite a few. You know, given it's mainly Texas yeah. and KCBS, I think is about four fifty. So it's quite a few in in relation. But uh, they every cookoff in their particular region, they have to coordinate with the promoter. Oh my goodness, that would be a lot of work. That'd be a lot of work every every weekend. So yeah, it's better left to those people that are retired or uh, uh, you know <laughs> semi wealthy. Doug, one of the notes that you had made when we were going back and forth on things we wanted to chat about was how uh, IBCA president, what do you got there? Um, that is a Mountain Cuvée from Goulant Bunshu. It's a blend of uh, Cabernet, Merlot, um, Zinfandel, and a little Cabernet oh. Franc and, and Shiraz. My goodness. Miritage. Wow. Uh, you said that uh, Craig had a parliamentarian consultant. Oh, what what the hell you. is that? Oh, as Craig says, and it's been, a, you know, last year was a little controversial and people were bringing up Robert's rules of order and, you know, having motions and making sure they were, you know, passed correctly and, and that if there was any discussion and the votes and stuff. And so it got oh, a little controversial last year. Wow. So Craig, in a brilliant genius move, hired this parliamentarian. And the parliamentarian was there, as Craig put it, to keep us redneck cookers that don't know anything but cooking and uh, to keep us in order. And so <laughs> in the end, I think it's going to be very beneficial because at the meeting, um, they b basically decided we have constitution and bylaws and there's contra contradictory terms oh. and uh, rules in the, in, in the two. And so now we're going to combine and have one document, and and so it's it's really going to be best for uh, for the whole organization going forward. Uh, just for point of note, I didn't know if you knew this or not, uh, Doug, but a friend of the show, Patrick Paquette, is a trained parliamentarian. Wow, adding to his value to the show, uh, like uh, who who thought he could have brought more value than by sending me some T-shirts every once in a while and stopping by live? He's also a trained parliamentarian. Wow. No. Well, yeah, he could help us redneck uh, cookers down here in Texas. That's right. Be. He's on his way down, no doubt about it. Very very nominal hourly rate as well, from what yeah. I understand. Uh, anybody talking about starting their own Texas barbecue sanctioning bodies? Yes, there, there is. There is one person that uh, got uh, uh, a lifetime ban. And in my opinion, he was unfairly banned. Uh, you know, maybe he should have been punished, but uh, the other people didn't get quite near the punishment. But um, he's in the process of, like we need another stinking organization down here, he's in the process of uh, allegedly forming another another uh, barbecue organization, etc. And so some people are behind him and, and supportive of it. New scoring system, so we won't have the, you know, the... Uh, the multi-round, you know, survivor type uh, series of judging, et cetera. So we'll, we'll see how it goes. I think uh, uh, he particularly, uh, 
he's a controversial person, actually a nice guy. I know him. And um, I, I think he underestimates how, how much effort and time goes into the whole thing. Yeah, so. <laughs> uh, I'm sure. Doug, uh, where are you cooking at next, or what are you up to that you can promote? Um, I am uh, actually going to uh, start cooking again in uh, Labor Day. Um, I'm act- This weekend, I'm going on a boys' weekend to Philadelphia. To uh, We go to a different baseball park every year, so I'm, I'm doing that. And... Uh, uh, later, th- later this year, uh, Traeger is going to come down and we're going to do a few events and some filming and things like that. So, um, that's probably on tap for later this year. All right. He is the official Texas barbecue correspondent for the barbecue central show and the pitmaster of uh, championship rogue cookers. Doug, always appreciate the time. Thanks so much. Absolutely. Greg. Thank you. You got it. There he is. Doug Shiding. Look at this guy. One like the Jack Daniels and Houston Livestock and Rodeo. I mean, come on. This is the world champion many times over, by the way. Wasting his evening talking about some guy going to be starting a new Texas barbecue association. That's what we need. (laughs) I agree. Craig Sherry bringing a parliamentarian in. Nice. That probably brought the tenor of the room right down, right off the bat. I'm going to slow you. I'm going to back you down right now, Hicks. Here's uh, John Lennon, the parliamentarian. Thank you, Craig Sherry. You people will deal with us with decorum and professionalism, or we will throw you out. Now, give me my tea and scrumpets, please. All right, folks, if you are looking to step up the barbecue and grilling game, no better or easier way than by going to ButcherBBQ.com. Oh, my. What do they have there? Glad you asked. How about the injections that everybody knows them for? Of course they have them there, ButcherBBQ.com. How about some rubs? Anybody like rubs? Of course you do. Do you like triple secret private pitmasters blend rubs? Yeah, you do. Do you like chipotle rubs? Cherry rubs? Pecan rubs? You do. Do you like Butcher's Barbecue Sweet Barbecue Sauce? Yes. Something that I used over the weekend, barbecue, uh, Butcher's Barbecue Grilling Oils. Here's what I did. I made fingerling potatoes Sunday on uh, the Grilla Cooker. And instead of using uh, EV olive oil, Put the wash them off, dried them with the paper towel, threw them in the steel bucket, took the butter flavored uh, grilling oil right on it, mixed it all in, got them coated really good, and threw a bunch of uh, hand well, not a bunch, but a couple handfuls of kosher salt, made my own salt potatoes in the hickory smoke of the cooker. Fabulous. You can use it in so many ways. I'm telling you right now. It's got to be one of the most versatile products out there on the market because it's not just barbecue or grilling. You can use it in everyday cooking. Those are the grilling oils. Here's what you do. You head on over to ButcherBBQ.com. You stock up with all of this stuff right now. Shipping rates are still great. Of course, the honey rub, too, and the uh, steak and brisket rub, amongst all the other new stuff that he's got. If you bought somebody else's commercially made injections and they suck, you can send them to Dave. He'll weigh them, and then he'll give you back some of his products. How about that? He's making his customers happy. He's making his 
competitors' customers happy as well. Somebody's got to make them happy. Go to ButcherBBQ.com. That's ButcherBBQ.com. ButcherBBQ.com. Always trust your butcher. All right, we're back to wrap the show right after this. Stick around. Be right back. Big name interviews, advice on cooking brisket and ribs, and the only host willing to share his honest opinion on all things important in the world of barbecue. It's the Barbecue Central Show. All right, welcome back. 216-220-0966. Greg at thebbqcentralshow.com. Dave, I didn't know if you knew it. Uh, Patrick Paquette is a uh, certified and trained parliamentarian. He is. Thanks again to Doug Scheiding for joining me on the show. All right, let's get ready to run out of here right now. All the way back in the first hour, we spoke with Stephen Reichland. Took a couple minutes to get hooked up, but we did. BarbecueBible.com, ProjectSmoke.org, his two websites. We talked a lot about smoking. Uh, with the smoking gun, like drinks and eggs and mayonnaise. You could probably do salt with that, everything, right? Sure. Then we talked with Catherine Stiles, Barbecue Wife, B-A-R-B-E-C-U-E, barbecuewife.com. That's her Bloody Mary mix. Try it out. Tell me what you think. Somebody buy a bottle and try it out. Tell me if I need to be buying a bottle then. I'll buy it. Second hour, 2016, Hall of Fame inductee Chris Lilly. Big Bob Gibson's talking about uh, the honor there. Some of the other hot topics in barbecue as well. Also, we finished the show with Doug Scheiding, official Texas barbecue correspondent, talking about the big IBCA annual meeting, some of the rule changes, some of the other happenings that went on. So, as always, appreciate uh, Doug and the perspective he gives from the Lone Star State. Two, two Texas guests tonight, by the way, I might have. All right. Jam-packed show next week, as always, already. Might have a special New York Times best-selling author in studio next week. Huh? Next week? Until then, September 11th, 2001, I will never forget. We'll see you back here next Thursday at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Until then, it's your program host and proud U.S. American, Greg Rempe. Good night now.